Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 5. John chapter 5 this morning. In our passage last week, the first 18 verses of chapter 5, we found in the text that the Jewish religious leaders had, had a real problem with Jesus. According to them, He had worked on the Sabbath. In fact, what He had done was heal a man on the Sabbath. A man who had been lame for 38 years. According to their rules, work on the Sabbath was not permitted. And let's just pause right there for a moment and consider what they were upset about. When you stop and think about this, they were accusing Jesus of working. And yes, what He had done was work a miracle. And we've got to praise God for that, as they should have been doing. And yet they were too concerned with their rules, more caught up in their regulations being broken than to give glory to God for the gift that this man had received when Jesus had, been, uh, had met this man and healed him at the pool Bethesda. But that wasn't all they had a problem with. They were also upset with Jesus for making himself equal with God. We see it in verse 18, John chapter 5. We ended here, uh, we were here last week. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Never mind that Jesus had demonstrated that He is God in human flesh by working this miracle, healing this man who had been lame for 38 years, their problem with Jesus was that He was challenging their authority. And Jesus laid down a clear challenge to their authority when He broke their Sabbath law. And He angered them even more when in verse 17 He said that, my Father is working until now, and I am working. Why did He say that? Because He knew that they couldn't argue that God didn't work on the Sabbath. They couldn't argue that. God doesn't take a day off. Are you glad for that? I am. He continually does His divine work. Isn't that encouraging? That God, God doesn't rest so that we can. We need to rest, but God does not. I'm thankful that God doesn't take a day off, aren't you? In fact, we hear this said of Jesus in Hebrews 1 and verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power, the universe, by the word of His power. Can you imagine, I don't even think we can imagine this, the chaos in this world that would be if God decided to take a day off and didn't, and didn't or, order, order the universe and keep it together. Jesus knew they couldn't argue that God didn't do His work on the Sabbath, so he's correcting their thinking. 
He's challenging their thinking by making it clear who they're talking to. Who are they talking to? They were speaking to Jesus, and yet Jesus is, and we know this, we've seen it again and again already in these first few chapters of John, Jesus is God in human flesh. They're speaking to Jesus, God in human flesh. And if they have a problem, who do they have a problem with? They have a problem with God. Jesus uh, could have said something like, uh, excuse me, but uh, do you happen to be speaking to God in human flesh? He didn't say that. He didn't need to say that because that's certainly the way they understood his statement, that he and the Father were working. Now what's going on here is that Jesus wasn't interested in having them mad at him for merely breaking the Sabbath or breaking their rules about the Sabbath. If they were going to be angry with Jesus, let's make it over something substantial. And his claim to be equal with God was a far more important reason for them to oppose him. So what we see in the following verses where we'll be looking today, Jesus is making clear his authority. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in human flesh. Does Jesus have authority as God in human flesh? Absolutely, yes, he does. Let's look together at John chapter 5 and verses 19 through 29. And I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version. Verse 19, John chapter 5, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. And verse 21 says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment, because He is the Son of Man. Verse 28 says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who, have been, uh, those who have done good to the resurrection of life 
and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, did you notice as I read verses 19 through 29 that three times Jesus says, Truly, truly. Each time, Jesus is making a new point. Each time, Jesus is trying to get their attention and to make them kind of sit up and take notice. And each statement prepares for the next one. Look at verse 19 again. In verse 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Some of uh, your translations, I think the King James says, verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only that, only what He sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now that's a powerful statement that Jesus made. Note that the Son is not independent from the Father. God the Son doesn't going, go around doing whatever He pleases separate from God the Father. Yes, Jesus is God in human flesh, but He is always submissive to the Father's will. And what He sees the Father doing, He does. In verse 20, Jesus goes on and gives more detail about this unique and personal relationship the Son has with the Father. Look at verse 20 again. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing, and greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. So God the Father loves God the Son and keeps nothing from Him. Here's something important to note. You learn here that if you want to know what God is like, watch Jesus. Observe the life of Jesus as God shows you in the Scriptures. As you read your Bible and you observe the life of Christ on earth, and you see what he endured on the cross. You find what, what he does as he's seated at the right hand of God. Watch Jesus. You'll learn about God. And by watching Jesus, you discover two ways in which the way God works is revealed. And note that Jesus is making it clear that he is not under the authority of these Jewish religious leaders. So how does God work? Well, first we know that only God can give life. And Jesus says here that He gives life. Verse 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Listen, Jesus has the authority to be the giver of life and is the giver of life. That makes him equal with God. Jesus is the one, as he says in John 10.10, 10, who came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Aren't you grateful for that? Jesus gives life, and he gives it abundantly to the full, to all who trust in him. But Jesus doesn't stop with that. Secondly, Jesus says he also has the authority to judge. He, he, is, he has the authority to give life. He also has the authority to judge. 
Look at verse 22. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Now, back in the Old Testament, if you were to go back to Deuteronomy 1 and verse 17, we learn that judgment is God's. Judgment is God's. And here in John 5, we're learning that this authority to judge, which is exclusively God's, is in the hands of Jesus. So Jesus is telling these Jewish religious leaders who knew, who knew these Old Testament scriptures that he's God in human flesh. He's removing all doubt from their minds about what he thought of himself. So how is God's work shown in Jesus? It's seen here in the fact that Jesus has the authority to give life and the authority to judge. And because of this, Jesus is due the same honor that is due the Father. Look at verse 23. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So what does it mean when we see that phrase, honor the Father? What does it mean to honor the Father? Jesus explains here. And here's the second time Jesus says, truly, truly. And by saying this, again, truly, truly, he's saying, this is important. Listen carefully. Pay attention. Take note. Truly, truly, verse 24, I say to you, whoever... Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, what is it to honor the Son? And this is what God wants us to do. God wants us to honor the Son. God wants us to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Honor is due his name. Because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross, we're to honor the Son. What is it to honor the Son? We can see it here in verse 24. It's to hear His Word. Hear His Word. And hearing His Word means here far more than just listening with the ears. Verse 24 says, Whoever hears my word and believes. Whoever hears my word and believes. Do you want life? Do you want life to the full? As I read from Hebrews this morning. Here's here's what it means to honor the Son. Hear, hear His word. Read the Word, hear it. That means obey it, listen to it, believe it. Believe in God the Son. Hear and believe. That's what it means to honor the Son. You want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with your life? Begin with hearing His Word and believing it and obeying it. And Jesus makes clear why this kind of honoring the Son is so important. Look again at verse 27. Truly, truly, there it is again. 
I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. This is so important. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. There's that truly, truly statement again. And so this too is important to hear. Who is this speaking of? Who are the dead who will hear Jesus and live? These are people who are dead in their trespasses and sins who put their faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. They believe God's Word and they believe in God the Son and because they do, They receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So hearing leads to believing. You've heard that statement, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, what God says is hear and believe. Hear His Word. Hear all that you're hearing about who Jesus is and believe in Him and be saved. Hearing leads to believing, and believing is life. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 26 shows you how this can be that people who are dead in their sins, who believe in Jesus, now have life. They're no longer dead. How? No longer trapped in sin. How? Verse 26, look at it. For as the Father has life in Himself... So he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. What we've got to conclude here is this wonderful truth. It's a wonderful truth. If you look to Jesus and you believe in Jesus, you will live. You will have forgiveness of sins And you will have the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, what does it mean to live? As we heard in verse 25, it means you are forgiven your sins. It is is that you will receive the gift of eternal life. And that no one and nothing can snatch you from Jesus' hands. But, I want you to know what comes next. What happens if you don't look to Jesus? If you don't honor the Son by hearing His Word and believing in Him? What happens if you don't believe in Jesus? There is a coming day of judgment. This too is in the hands of Jesus. Look again at verses 27 through 29. Verse 27 says, And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So first I want you to note from these verses uh, not to confuse those who, who have done good with being a good person. You know that um, um, you know, we're, uh, we're prone to look at somebody and say, oh, they're a, they're a good person. They're, they're pretty good. You know, they're fairly moral. They're a good person. They're good people. 
of those who have done good here in this verse and come to the resurrection of life are, are not people who have just merely been good or a good person. Those who have done good and come to the resurrection of life are all people who have, who have believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. That's why Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 says, In Him, speaking of Jesus, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, get this, this is hearing the word. This is hearing His word. The gospel of your salvation is what you need to hear and believe in to be saved from your sins. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, what happens? It says, what happens is you are sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Why does Jesus deserve to be glorified and honored? This is why. He's the guarantee of your inheritance if your faith is in Him. If you've you've looked at Jesus, if you've listened to His Word and you've believed in Jesus, He guarantees your eternal destiny. He, He guarantees your eternal life. He guarantees your place, we heard sung of this morning, your place in heaven. You see, God does want us to be good people. But verse 29 isn't about performing good works to earn your salvation. You need to hear this. You can't earn your salvation by any amount of good works. Yes, there are a lot of people who are, by the world standards, good. Yet by God's standard, there is no one good. There is no one who measures up to God's standard of complete sinlessness total righteousness no one no one is sinlessly perfect no one romans 3:23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god so verse 29 is about those who've heard jesus word and believed in him This is about those who've heard and believed God and they've believed in Jesus Christ and have repented of sin and have trusted in Him and in Him alone, not in their works, not in their good behavior, not in the fact that they've never robbed a bank. You know, you say, I'm pretty good, I'm better than my neighbor. No, 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 not in that you've been pretty good. Only in that you've looked at Jesus You've believed God's Word and you've believed in the Son and you've trusted in Jesus Christ. If that's you, you're numbered among the people who do not come into judgment but pass from death to life. And this is where uh, a great amen ought to be. Right? We ought to say, praise God. Amen. Yes, I agree that this is good for us as God's people. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? That we pass from death to life, not because of anything that we've done, all because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's finished on the cross. Do we pass to the resurrection of eternal life?
at the judgment. But that leads us to something else. Jesus also makes it clear here that there are two eternities in view. There are two different and separate eternities in view here. And each, Jesus is carrying out the will of the Father. In each of these eternities, Jesus is carrying out the will of the Father. For those who believe in Jesus, which we've just noted, there's the eternal, uh, the eternal destiny of the saints. It's the eternity that is the resurrection of life, eternal life. Praise God. But for those who do not believe in Jesus, and by not believing, you need to understand that it's not just a matter of not believing. Oh, I just don't choose to believe. What you're choosing is to reject Jesus. By not believing, you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You reject eternal life. You reject salvation from sins. You reject forgiveness for your sins. Only that which Jesus gives you through faith in Him. For those who do not believe in Jesus, and by not believing they reject Jesus, these are the people, verse 29 calls, look at it when it says, those who have done evil. Those who reject Jesus remain in their sin, remain dead in their trespasses and sins. They, they are those who have done evil. Those are the people, verse 29 calls, those who have done evil because they do not believe God, because they do not believe in Jesus, and because they do not, they do not see eternal life, but instead go to the resurrection of judgment. So we need to know this, church. We need to know this, and the world needs to know this. The world needs to know who Jesus is. The world needs to be pointed to Christ. We need to share the Scriptures, the Bible, with the unbelieving world. Anytime we have an opportunity to share the truth of God's Word, the Scriptures themselves are life in that they bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to know this, and the world needs to know this, and this is our work and mission as a church, to live as God's children in this world and to proclaim the name of Jesus in this world. There is an eternity unto death, and that death is an eternal punishment and separation from God where Jesus is judge. And you need to know that in this world that is topsy-turvy with all kinds of social concerns and social issues that want to confront the church, we must stand on the truth that the most loving thing we can tell the world is that Jesus loves them and that if they don't believe in Him, they are headed for an eternal destiny which is separation from God. Some of you have seen some of the controversy in the, in the news, in the papers and things like that over the gay pride event in Chardon and the gay pride event in Burton and some of the press that some clergy have gotten uh, because of the letter that they signed. I was one of those signers who signed that letter objecting to a drag show downtown in front of families and children, which uh, breaks my heart that that took place. And I grieve over that and what we wrote and what we sent to the mayor and to challenge uh, the community with was that 
This does not honor the name of God, and that's our job as a church, to proclaim the name of truth and to stand on the truth and to be bold and courageous, come what may. What comes is you don't get a fair shake in the papers, which we didn't expect. It's okay. I rejoice in this, that we stood for the truth of the gospel, and we proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that people need to repent of their sin and turn to him. That's all of us. That's not just people who, who str- struggle with a same-sex attraction. That's all of us separated from God for an eternity unless we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice in that. We had an opportunity to stand for the truth of the gospel, to proclaim our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to make known, hey, we're the ones that you're opposing. We're standing for Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And we love you no matter what you say about us, whether you think we love you or not. The truth is we love you so much we will not lie to you. We love you so much we tell you the truth of God's word, whether you love us or hate us. You know what? Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. And so we tell the truth, and we desperately need to know the truth ourselves, church. If the world's going to hear the truth, the church needs to know the truth. If the world's going to know Jesus, the church needs to know Jesus. We need to surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ because there's an eternity unto life for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And there is an eternity unto eternal damnation and separation from God. And we don't say that with joy about anyone. We grieve over those who resist the truth, who turn their backs on the truth. There is an eternity unto life, and that begins the moment you confess that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus. That's our message to the community in which we live to the world that we live in, look to Jesus, trust in Him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And then God takes up residence in you through His Spirit, and by His Spirit and His Word, He helps you change. He helps you become like the Lord Jesus Christ. These Jewish religious leaders that Jesus challenged with this truth are a clear illustration of, of what we're seeing here. Their eternal destiny has nothing to do with how well they've behaved. It has nothing to do with being a good person. It doesn't even have anything to do with them being religious. Think of those religious, those Jewish religious leaders. Those Jewish religious leaders that Jesus challenged with this truth are a clear illustration of this. Here were these Jewish religious leaders confronting the very giver of life and the very judge of their souls. And they were bringing to the giver of life and judge of the eternal destiny of all mankind their petty religious rules. And at the same time, they didn't have eternal life because they wouldn't believe God. And they wouldn't look to Jesus for who He is as the giver of life and judge. They wouldn't believe in Him. And in fact, they would do everything they could to oppose Him, and they were seeking to 
kill him. The question for you today, and for me today, here's the question for you today. Will you be just like them and reject Jesus and face him, the one with authority to judge, in the day of judgment? Will you reject him? Or will you give Jesus the honor that's due him? And he deserves all the honor and glory and praise that we give him and more. Will you give Jesus the honor that's due him as God the Son, the giver of life, the judge for all eternity? And will you hear his word and believe and be saved? And if you are a believer in Jesus, will you allow his word today and always to challenge you to live your life completely for Jesus? You see, that's what God calls us to now. He says, hey, now that your your eternity is secure and no one can harm you, what can the world do, do to us? They may be able to physically harm us, but we have eternal life. We're saved for all eternity. And and. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate judge. He will settle all accounts. We need not worry about that. If our eyes are fixed on Christ, our eternal hope and destiny is in Him and in Him alone, and we are secure for all eternity. Put your hope in Jesus, and then realize now our challenge is, if you're trusting in Jesus, our challenge now is to live in this world and, be, and not be of this world and yet proclaim the name of Christ whether people want to hear it or not, speak the truth of Jesus Christ and make it clear that Jesus loves them and went to the cross to die for their sins and yes, they're sinners in need of a Savior. That's what we're called to. Let's be the church. Let's be the church that God wants us to be.